Blog Talk Radio. And good morning, good afternoon, and good evening and to everyone in the world today. I'm Ed the Pagan, and I'm here bringing you our very best from 180 countries that are involved deeply with our sites, including witchpool.com. You're anytime, anyplace, anywhere, education. Uh, since we got that out of the way, this is Elder Talk for the month of June, and it's the last day of June, and we've been dealing with the energies of such magnitude. Um, the end of COVID in America, or at least that's what people wish to believe. Uh, the energy of returning to festivals, return uh, energy of <clears throat> being re-in-contact. And it's been moving along. But tonight we're going to talk about fairies. And for me, fairies have a very special concept. So let's talk about what is conceived by most people, that if they are some sort of entity that comes out of the uh, mystical past that is uh, most commonly known in America for their Irish and Scottish lore of the Seelie and Unseelie courts, or by the power of Disney through Tinkerbell and the fairies that they created that were originally created before Disney even existed in 1904, 1903, where they were part of the play of Peter Pan. And Tinkerbell was the fairy of the Lost Boys giving them flying powders and other exotic treats. And in that moment, I think she introduced something that was extremely important that I continue to consider it. Um, and that is that, the, that fairies must be believed in. Do you believe in fairies? Clap your hands. So at some point, you have to sort out your feelings about the idea that these entities may exist. And we've heard everything from very gentle stories to very loving stories to romances to kidnappings to murder to curses. The fae represent a spiritual form that has gone across the world in various cultures in various things. And they may not call themselves fae in and of themselves, but these spiritual entities that, in, that engage us at various times and bring us into their reality or they come into ours and change our points of view. The first time I ever thought I had an encounter with a fairy was when I was eight years old when I was lost in a field of corn and other plants. And it wasn't just any fairy corn. It was feral. It was not planted. It was a field that was, had been abandoned near uh, Camp Hickory, which was a Christian council. And I got so terribly lost in it. And I asked for help, and I thought, you know, somebody's going to help. And, uh, and I believed in, you know, sort of anything. I was young. And then I followed this particular thing that I thought was talking to me, a butterfly. And it led me out of the field onto a highway that led me back to the entrance of the camp. And I always kind of remember that mystic because it looked like a butterfly would stop and wait for me, and then we'd get up, and I followed it. And I found out that I had walked through an old abandoned field where it was growing corn and other plants, but it had been abandoned. And that some local people believed some spirits lived in there. But our Christian pastor and our Christian people go, oh, no, that's just silly. 
you know, and, or if it was being guided, it was guided by the hand of God. If the idea of fairies at that moment were not acceptable. And as you know, I've had a number of spiritual and uh, psychological and all sorts of encounters in my life. I'm quite the adventurer, and I enjoy those adventures. But in doing so, so one of the things I'm, I've learned from Terrence McKenna, and this is an important fact, uh, Terrence McKenna talked about self-transforming elf machines that he's encountered in his encounters. And who is Terrence McKenna? He's a uh, late 20th century philosopher who especially focused on aboriginal practices as plant medicines, plants, psychedelics, and other ways to engage the psychic world through the use of meditation and other techniques as well as psychedelics. And he talks about his experiences with elves which are a form of thing, and that he did it through the usage of DMT, which is a um, very powerful drug. They last a very short brief of time and brought the, him into it. So, so one of the places where people tend to have the most encounters with they, be they is from an Irish pub, be them from the Scottish Highlands, from the Amazon and different spaces, is when we enter their space in some way. And one of the ways that people have entered their space is to change their trance state. They change the way they appear. And that can be utilizing pharmaceuticals. It could be extreme drunkenness. It could be basically having your senses changed by being lost in the forest. Many, many people have talked about how they saw fairy lights, which were, you know, people say, oh, those are lightning bugs. But in the darkness of the woods, Taking away your senses can bring them into being. And it can give you a chance to connect. So whatever way you can connect is important. And that is an essential element to the fairy experience is how do you connect. And some people have claimed, you know, they can be dragged into the courts, their courts. If you do, time moves differently in their dimensions. So they can cross back and forth their dimension and ours, and they can sometimes drag us up. They've been accused of exchanging babies called changelings, which now some scientists are saying were autistic children or other children of unusual qualities that people would not understand. Uh, the idea of the redhead, the fires of hell, as some Spanish inquisitors put it there, they were considered to be fae-touched or fae, and that they, these gingers were able to, to be part of that world. There is a belief that they've crossed loved with us. So one of the biggest beliefs is that they're small, tiny entities. And while there are stories of small entities, these miniature people, the little people who are involved, especially in places like Iceland and uh, some of the northern uh, spaces, we also can realize that there, there can be also huge creatures and they can be big creatures. And at one time they believe they can cross into the human world and come to us during our celebrations. Vazakine, um, there's a number of these celebratory ones who exist outside the Unsealing Sealy Court. During the Unsealing Sealy Court phase, the, the dark and light phase, can drag us into their world to share with them, or they can come into ours. And they can come in as fully grown humans who, some people will say, will have a glint in their eye. Or they can come in as any form. So what, what are they really? So what do we, in, in society, we're starting to see them as coherent beings of 
sentient, that the universe is conscious and sentient, and that there are elements of non-human intelligences in the universe which are coherent, a little more than coherent light and sound as we perceive them. And therefore, they can reflect anything that we want to, a sort of universe of quantum mirrors, which they can reflect into our world and back. And that at some level, they are basically creatures of our language and syntax. They are creatures and entities that exist because we can perceive them and we can hear them in our minds and in our spaces as language and as syntax, as elements of sound, that they may be beings more essentially composed of observable entities, observable energy, um, the quantum effect, the observer's effect. They can utilize these tools inside the human perception to get them perceived. And in fact, people all the time believe that their cats, their dogs, their animals can perceive them in a way that they can affect our world. In fact, fairies, much more than ghosts, spirits, and even poltergeists, are giving credit for existing in our world and changing things, stealing things, putting things in place, being helpful, granting wishes, being protectors, being cursors, taking us away, all sorts of different stories about them. But they're far more likely to be attributed to having an effect in your world every other being you think of, even that of angels and uh, even that idea of demons, given the idea of spirits and ancestors, more people attribute supernatural activities to say than to any other source. So they're deep inside of us. And people go, oh, Tinkerbell's not a real fairy. But Tinkerbell represents the ultimate in a fairy queen. She came into existence through a creative action of a play, Peter Pan. And that she was a creature of language and syntax that caught on so well that people kept bringing her name up, bringing her energy to the point where the play was bought, Peter Pan, done by the movies. And Tinkerbell today has an entire franchise of conceptualized creatures that exist in the world of our imaginations. And the question she always brings to us is, do you believe or not believe? And she exists to be created, to be, in, to be seen as this powerful force, to be challenged and to have friends into this whole metaverse of they or fairies that are Disney-fied, that are belong to the Disney world now. But in, in essence, Tinkerbell is the best-known fairy in the history of the world. More people know of her than they know of Oberon and Titiana and all the other shape folks of Shakespeare and of the of the un, uh, uh, the unseelie chord, the undying, the Sus, and all of the different names that Tinkerbell, language, syntax, quantum reality, perceived into our universe, exist there. And second, probably most in the North American hemisphere, is the Tooth Fairy, which is the derivative of the Bone Fairy which makes a very old and evil uh, and dark sometimes connection. They come to retrieve teeth, bits of human 
flesh and bone, mostly human bone, and they exchange it for treasures. And this is obviously builds us up into the concept of the exchange that all fairies seem to need. And we have the most famous of the elves in the fae, which is Santa Claus. Santa Claus is absolutely a creature that exists in our, syntax, in our language, in our syntax, in how we perceive our culture, regardless if you believe he's real or not, and the functions that he exists in. We do venerate and promote this cultural identity of a being which may be fey, or at least they claim to work with elves. To, to produce treasures for us all. And the promise is that if you're a good boy or girl, you will get a present from the fag. So there's always an exchange of energy in every fay story. Even Tinkerbell requires you to clap your hands if you believe. And so people today build them houses. We, and I've, I've led projects where we've built houses. They are entities that love to be noticed and if they're kept at a distance. They want to be kept in your thoughts. So in a lot of ways, these entities exist only in our imaginative world and are perceived out of our imaginative world more so than any other set of our senses. And it's very interesting. Just just the other day, they done peer uh, peer thing to show that certain parts of uh, cells and certain entities, including humans, have these uh, chromosomes that actually are affected by magnetism, by electromagnetism. And one of the things that people say when they encounter Fay is that it makes their hair rise, like static electricity. So they're a form of living energy, probably in some form of quantum coherence within the conscious universe that we're starting to find pantheism is in the universe that everything has got a sentience and that they're able to enact their will through that system. Now, people are going to ask me, do I believe in fae? And I've always said I believe in fae in the way that I've believed in ghosts and spirits and other things. I've had encounters. I'm not sure really what they were until almost two years ago. And we're going to be celebrating the second anniversary of it in which I went to... Starwood. At the time, if people remember, I had a worm business that had been just taken apart by the city of Chicago, that this sort of negative power had entered in my life. I see my world ripped apart, and I decided to go to Starwood. And I went to Starwood in a mess. My shoes were torn to pieces. Um, I didn't take enough clothes. I, I forgot a screen for my tent, so my tent was open to the air. People let me things of that nature. I had hardly any food with me. I was really in a ragged state. Um, I didn't have much with me because, well, the truth was, I just didn't. It was just, I was down and out, and I had just lost a tremendous, not only amount of money from, from the city's attacks of Chicago on my sustainability earthworm farms, but the last thing I had done, just days before this, I had lost my worm farm. Literally, the city dug it up and ripped it out and took it away. And who knows where it dumps, dumps it in the landfill or anything in nature. And I was left 
not only without my business, it ripped a hole in me, a really deep hole. And so I went to uh, Starwood, and on the second night there, um, I took sacrament, which is another term for, uh, which is a term for utilizing uh, hallucinogenics. And particularly, uh, I took an I will be for Ford. I was took a head of LSD, and um, a little more than that. And um, I went out into the world, and I had a priestess stop me, and she helped me a little bit. I went on to the edge of the where I was a fave cow, where fave people had been seen, and I didn't think anything of it. Trust me, I did not think of anything. What was about to happen next? I was unprecedented in my own experiences. I started crying. I just cried. And I was so hurt. And I was in so much pain. I wasn't really going to understand how I could continue. So bad emotionally. It tore me to pieces. And what? And it wasn't just what happened, but what was going to happen. I just hurt so bad. And I cried. And then what would happen naturally changed my life. I would hear a booming voice, mostly in my head, maybe in my ears as well, of a powerful entity, a fae, that smelled of musk. I can remember the smell of musk, the masculinity of it. And it reminded me a lot of the green man as stag. But it was definitely a fae folk. And behind him was a female fae folk, which I could understand which had a dress, a hoop dress almost, of vines and roots. And she was a beautiful entity made of leaves and, and light and energy. And he told me, do not cry in my forest. He was the protector of the festival. He wasn't a fa- he was he was the, the fairy of the festival, the fairy of the land. She got grown used to this sort of thing. And I kind of sensed a little bit that this is where it was. And he wasn't an old, old being. I didn't sense his old being. I would find out more. Um, but he told me, you know, stop crying. Be grateful. This is going to be a unique time. And I just, I couldn't handle it. It's just like, oh, my God, what is this? Am I snapped my brain to? Did I just hurt myself in a way that I didn't want to? And I guess at that point in my despair, I just gave up my life. I was just was giving up on life. I was just not really there. Remember, I mean, here I am, unshowered, because I've been out all day, in my ragged camp clothes. My shoes were ripped. I lost the heel. I lost the bottom of my soul. And I was just in pain. And he says, if you forbid me to continue having it in the past, what do you want me to do? Oh, carry a message for me. And I went, oh, no. No, 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 no. No one's going to do this to me. I am not going to have an under-the-influence, unverifiable personal gnosis, a UPG, unverifiable personal gnosis. No one is going to let me force me to do that because that is an embarrassment. That is difficult. That I couldn't stand. I just couldn't stand it. I couldn't be a part of it. And so I would then have it goes, all right. And he told me a little bit of the message. I'm like, okay, whatever, dude. 
Um, I, I'm, I'm not sure I'm enjoying this. I wasn't really pleasured by it. I was still crying. I could feel the water in my face. And he goes, all right, let's take a look at you. And he took my eyes from me. Literally, I went into the darkness and felt like my eyes had been ripped out. I go, oh, my God, did I make a mistake? Did I do something wrong here? Um, and then he continued talking to me. And he would say some things that were very important, that the world would stand, the world, and always I remember, it says the world will burn, and then the world will stand still, and Gaia will breathe. And the coins will stop flowing. And there will be madness in the world, and the madness will grow. But there's more to the message to that. But I'm going to leave that for Star Wars when I talk, finish talking about the messages. Because he gave me some messages. And he told me that what I need to do is prepare ourselves for the long haul, that, that the world is going to change in the long haul, and that he wanted something from me. He was a general, just like I was a sort of um, general, and I'm not sort of, I'm a general, a paladin general of the pagan world, and that I was going to share into this idea of the world of that there's this conflict arriving and that they wanted to pass from their world to the world within ours. So they wanted to travel from their world to the world within ours. And I came, and I'll explain that at another point, but that became the idea of cyberspace to me, that the world within us, the world that we're becoming a part of, that's changing with the world within is, is the cyberspace world. But he cleaned my eyes and put them back there with the message that, you know, here's some signs that the world will burn, easy prediction, the world will stop, okay, and that the world will breathe, and then madness will come, and that the world will go mad. And it's beginning to happen, and it began to happen. Um, this is t- uh, July 7th, 2019. And there are some other elements to it. And it's going to leave us with this idea of a Gaia movement in there. And they wanted my help to pass within and for help them in their conflict, for they were having a conflict within their world. So they did not belong to the seal or the seal court. But were Mazikeen and other festivals, the nomadics, the wild ones who are now losing their spaces. And they told me I was not going to return to Starwood. I haven't told everybody. So this is not something that I did. So in order not to have an unfavorable personal notice, I can't tell you what happened within that context and may have you believe me, but uh, what the effects would be is that the next morning when I came out of my tent, I looked at a tree and it was so strange looking to me. I looked around and go, huh, that's what green is supposed to look like. And remember, this is historically accurate. I have been colorblind all of my at least adult life when it was finally detected when I was in the United States military doing gunners mate missiles. They spent a lot of money to begin training me the principles of gunners mate missiles. And then I went into the labs and I couldn't pass the labs for the life of me, even though I had done so well in the classroom. And then they go, the senior uh, petty officer came over, chief petty officer, um, came over and said, looked at me, had me do a fairly, what we all thought was a fairly simple exercise. And after I failed it, 
he said he had me a chit to go to the doctor. The doctor they put me in an eye exam. Oh, okay. And they said, oh yeah. After a few minutes of testing, oh yeah, double colorblind. You, you can't be a gunner's missile because you can't make out the difference in the colors. You can't build bombs, and you can't run missiles. And you can't run electronics being colorblind. So I was kicked out of that program graciously because it wasn't my fault. And I became a yeoman, uh, office clerk. And that changed the course of my life. If I were not colorblind at that moment, I would have learned electronics and I was going to move into the nuclear program. Instead, I became a yeoman and I learned about the ways of politics and power. Because I got a chance to be with a captain and I was a captain's yeoman. So I worked for him particularly and I learned a lot about authority and power at a time I needed to. But suddenly, I'm finding myself full of colors, things that I've, I've heard. And at first, I was, like, really scared. I was really happy, but I was really scared that, that some after effect of, um, of the sacraments that I took had affected me. Not only had it encountered these faiths, which had um, somehow entangled me. Yes, I'm involved in entanglement. When you hear about entanglements or contracts or agreements, that they have, it's true. I was involved with that. So they did that, So, and I did. I went to uh, some leading experts. Uh, Phil Farber, who's an expert on this sort of thing, says it's rare. Um, it, it, it can happen, but how? And I just kind of just accepted it, and I enjoyed it. And to this day, I continue to enjoy full-color vision and have that verified. So whatever came out of that encounter, no matter what they told me, um, and they gave me some really good advice, you know, become a drug dealer. I didn't want to do anything illegal to cats. Cats are under, underutilized. But they need their catnip. They need, they need to go ahead and be more. Um, we began this sort of process. I began a process of dealing with it. And I've been dealing with the Fae ever since in different ways. And I've been studying them also. So what are they? For me, they are entities that live in a sort of quantum or so sub, in our, our reality that they are in part part of a hyper-reality of language and syntax and the way we think of them. And they are some sort of force or energy in the universe that can take on form and express itself for its own purposes. It is kind of a life that exists in part of the universe that we cannot see or perceive through ordinary space. And we've yet to have the right tools to deal with them. Now, Terrence McKenna talks about the passage through psychedelics, the passage of, of the way that our brains is, and he says that we've evolved this way, and so the they are part of that part of the story. Others have said that you, you, know, you can do it through meditation, you can do it through offerings, you can do it through recognition. But all of these are perceived in our minds as a collective will, as we can see that it continues. And I'm continuing that process. Um, we've had incidents around where I took a ferry village, and we accidentally surrounded it in wire. So I asked, it was a wooden fence with a wire in it, and it got contained in our yard. And then one day, the beetle man was coming out for the new place where we were, and we had this beautiful little village around a tree, you know, what's left of a tree, and um, wired in, and 
you know, things have been noisy a little bit. And uh, before we knew it, we were discovered that the tree, which we didn't notice when we put in the village, was suddenly covered in boring beetles. Now, they, they would remove the other beetles, but this was like, they wanted a lot of money to remove it. And I knew that deep down, they said, no, no, you've got to fix this. And so we opened that fence that discovered so many of these beetles. And there's only one remedy. This fairy tree, this place we designated fairies, we had to remove all the houses. We found a new spot for them. We were not going to put a fence around them, and I had to burn it. And I burned it under a dark moon. That's right. Not a new moon, a dark moon, when the moon was darkest, when it was just not perceived, and we burned it. I burned it to the ground. I burned the soil beneath it. And I still to say, had these ashes of cursed fairyland burned to the ground that has no death to it other than the beetles um, that had to die. And uh, we still have these, this powerful tool. I've had them other tools. We have added crystals to them. So we have a fairy village. And at the same time, in sharing it on August 8th of 2020, um, we added a lot of fairy houses into the crystal web, which is another entity, which is another crystalline, which is another intelligent system that we built in the quantum and sort of the magical realms, the imaginary realms around the world. And the fairy ride on it a bit, not in it, but on it. And we continue this movement of these refugee fairies that I'm involved with. They're moving from one world to this world and then the world within. That's how they phrase it. And that's cyberspace. I, I, and I've got, in my head, I was perceived in how I can build a sort of digital body for a fae. So we'll see if that comes to pass. But there are other parts of this prophecy that have come to pass and a few more pieces that may come to pass. And so they're working with it. So we're in court of this interdimensional conflict over Gaia's destruction, and it's causing repercussions in the, the other realms as well. Of course it is. It's all tied together. So the fair is simply this. Do you believe in them? Do you want to make the offerings to them? Do you want them involved in your world? Can you accept them? Do you want them as guardians? Do you want them involved or do you want them as far away as possible because whatever it is that you do they feed on the exchange of energy both symbolic and actual trust me i've made these we've given them i've given them crystals people are bringing presents to be in the fairy village people want to be involved with them and these particular ones that i'm involved with um the general his queen and all of his forces out there are from the festival lands. They are manifested from the continuous summoning into festival lands. And remember, festivals are relatively new in our modern society to be returned to something that we perceived as older. And that in the olden days, we believed that fairies were involved with us at the festivals and the fairy grounds, the circuses and the carnivals. In all of these sort of amusing places, there's a strong belief of the Fae, including the pagan festivals such as Starwood and the PST and other festivals. So they had it. And he warned me that they were about, and and when he came to me, he says, we will not meet next year. The world will stop. And it did. 
And that's when he, and other things that he said, that he told me in that moment between where my eyes were missing, where he also took my ears and he took my tongue. He took all of these parts of me and had me kind of cleansed. And that brought me my full color vision. It's so just today. And in a, in a little less than two weeks, I'm going to go back to Starwood to once again encounter, seek to encounter these entities. So ask me what fairy is. I don't really know what are fairies and don't know. But I do know that we're all coming to our Tinkerbell moment of having to deal with these sort of entities. And I have had experiences. I started out as a summoner and I continue to be so. So in this moment, what do you want it to be? How do you want it to persist? How do you want it to exist? These are the questions about the Fae. So I can give you better. There are a lot of people who are better at actually describing them or involving themselves with them or anything else. But I am truly committed to, to my experiences that I'm going through, that I'm sharing with you, that are unique to me, but not unique to us all. I mean, they're unique to me, but they're not unique to us all. And that there's this force in our cosmos that is changing the way we think. And these fays are coming across and are cooperating, and there are people who are having impact with them. So we're looking at a a force in my world that is coming in, a fairy army, a fairy force. And, yeah, in some ways I've become a little bit of an interdimensional arms dealer trying to figure out how to solve, give them the gifts they want, iron swords with ceramic handles, as a symbology. Um, now we have cursed, cursed ashes and dirt, which were, was burned out of, under a new moon. Yeah, October 13th, 2020. Um, Powerful moments. And when you encounter say, they change the way you look at it. They can do all sorts of things. So one last thought I'll give you. People ask me all the time, well, what do you do with fairies? Because you, you can exchange energy with them. If you want to be with them, you can make them offerings, which are one way. And they told me never to eat their food. And I found out a couple of different means to that. But one of the primary ones is never eat food that's been offered to them sacrifice to them and then you eat it in return um we put out a piece of chocolate cake the other day and it was not touched for uh, for a couple days um but it was something that i could see somebody coming out there and tasting it if she's found a piece of chocolate cake in the woods offered to the fae don't touch it it's not for you and i'll bring you into their world they will exchange energy with you for things that they want done. And that's why I mean I'm entangled. So somehow I made an agreement to have my color vision restored. And now we see what they would say have asked for in return. And that is going to be my Starwood story. So this is my encounters with the fairies. I'm not a fairy expert, not far from it. And then I did not spend my life dealing with the fairies or dealing with fae. Um, actually, I didn't do much summoning with them. I've done a lot of summoning. I do, I, I build Gregors. I build um, biological engineering. 
uh, ecological engineering projects, uh, especially in cyberspace, and that's why they came to me. They want me to, you know, that they made me believe, I believe, that these entities want me to build them cybernetic or, or cyberspace spaces because they're an entity that move based on being accepted, being seen mentally in our imaginations, in our spaces. They're creatures of, of, of syntax and of language and they're perfecting language. And that their language is, they may be audio creatures, but their language is also based in light. And so why was my color vision restored? I finally understand it, that they communicate in as much in light, which is that of illusion, that of creating imagery in our minds, that they have this ability to create photographic imagery in our mind, and, and even to the point of placing false memories within us so that we can understand what they are. Or not false memories, but the same mechanism we would call false memories. Memories that we could not possibly have. Memories of things that may have occurred to them. People who have been into court, the courts of fairies or have been in several of fairies, who come out of them, either it be hours in the morning or days or weeks or even months and years later, there are encounters of it. Oh, absolutely, years later. Uh, people going in and years later, and they themselves feel like they've only gone for a very short period of time. There are stories like this. So they're able to draw us into their sort of sense of being, their source of sensoriality, their movements. And now they're kicking up the storm because the world is in chaos. So with that thought, wherever you see fairies, wherever you do it, are you ready for your Tinkerbell moment? And I mean this in all honesty. Are you ready for your Tinkerbell moment? Are you willing to say, do you believe? Right? So, so when Tinkerbell asks you, say, ask you, do you believe? Are you ready to have your hands clapped? And I'm going to close tonight with Brian Hankey, Fairy in the Mist. And thank you for listening. And blessed be. And remember, leave a little milk and honey for your fairies. You never know what could happen. <laughs>